Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at infofellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. How are we doing today? Come on, let's stand to our feet. How many of you know we serve a good God? How many of you know he makes me want to shout? He makes me want to dance. He wants me to get undignified for him. Come on, let's just raise our voices right now. Give him praise, give him honor.
rest and melt back into his presence for just a minute. Church, close your eyes if you would. And imagine that Jesus is standing right behind you. And he takes his arms and he wraps them around you. And he squeezes you in tight.
God is good, right? He's so good. You know, I was thinking um, about a quote that I heard once of just a a clear definition of what God's will is. And I think there's a lot of us that probably want to know what God's will for our life is. And a clear way to describe that is on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. It's, It's God's will. And as we sing and as we're worshiping and we're saying, let the heavens open, let the spirit move. I feel like there's, there's all of us at some level want to be in the presence of God. And as His will for our life is on earth as it, as it is in heaven, then as it is in heaven, there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no suffering, there's no tears, there's no isolation, there's no mourning, but there is peace and there's presence and there's hope and there's strength. That's what's in his presence. And so as we're singing these and we're, we're asking, let, let the heavens open, let the spirit move. I just, I just wanna pray and invite that presence on earth as it is in heaven right here, right now. And whether you're at home in your living room or you're in this room, that is possible and attainable because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and the freedom he has given us. So if you wanna taste of what that, what that looks like, would you lift your hands up? with me and pray. Whether you're at home or in here, Jesus, we thank you. God, we declare your name as holy. We worship you, Jesus. And Father, let be what what it is in the throne room. Let that be what we feel like right now, what we feel, your presence, your unrestricted presence here, Jesus, because of who you are. Father, those of us that need healing, let it come. Those of us that need freedom, let it come. Those of us that need strength because we're weak, let it come. For those of us that need peace because we are anxious, let it come, Jesus. Let the heavens open, God. You, Jesus, are strength. We cannot do this without you. And so, Father, for for those that are hurt, for those that are mourning, for those that are are sick, for those that are injured, for those that, that just need more of your presence, let heavens open, let the spirit move right now, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you, God, for who you are, for your love for us, Jesus. We thank you for your grace and your sacrifice and spirit. We thank you for your comfort, and for your presence. God, I pray that you can prepare our hearts and minds for what you want us to see, for what you want us to hear today. God, because we recognize you as Lord over everything in our life. We recognize you as the one that can do it, Jesus. We love you and we thank you in your heavenly name. Amen. Come on, give it up for him one more time. He's so good. He's so good. For those of you joining us in person, say hello to somebody and go ahead and find your seat. For those of you that are at home online with us or out and about online, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. It is so great to see you guys online. So interact during the service, put up some praise hands, some fire emojis, whatever you want. We'd love to hear from you during service. Uh, It's so great to see how far we've been able to reach across the state, across the country, and across the world because of our online community. Thank you guys so much. For those of you that maybe it's your first time Uh, experiencing Fellowship Church here, whether you're online at home or in person, we'd love to get to know you a little bit. So take out your cell phones and text the word fellowship to 94,000. That'll get us in contact with you. We'd love to 
talk with you. Our staff will text you throughout the week once you fill out the form after you text fellowship to 94,000. And we just share some information, different things going on here at fellowship. So please take advantage of that if you are new here or stop by the info center if you're in person. We'd love to meet with you, pray with you, say hello. We're gonna continue the worship of our awesome, awesome God with the tithes and offerings. There's a lot of different ways to give here at Fellowship. We're not going to be passing buckets around in the house at all, but we will have offering boxes in the lobby. And of course, the Church Center app is the best way to be able to not only see everything going on, but also give as well. We have a text to give number, a lot of different options for those of you that are looking for a new way to give or to give for the first time. Thank you so much. Now, we're coming into this awesome, awesome, wonderful, wonderful um, holiday called Thanksgiving because we get to eat a lot, right? It is, is one of my favorites, clearly. Now, I do, I do love the word Thanksgiving because giving thanks, right? And it's amazing to see how generosity can also steward a thankful heart in us, right? When we're, when we're generous and we're, we're giving, we also can see and we want to be able to say thank you to not only when other people give us things, but we can just start to reflect with a generous heart. God talks a lot about giving throughout the Bible. He talks a lot about money as well. And it's important to give our 10% and bring that into the storehouse and we can receive and claim that promise from Malachi. God says, test me in this, right? But there's also a really cool verse in Luke. Um, and I want to share that with you. And it's one of my favorites. It's Luke 6. And I'm gonna read out the Passion Translation, which is kind of like the chick flick of all the translations. Um, but... <laughs> Don't let that deter you, gentlemen. It is great. It is really, really good. Uh, it gives you a, a cool outlook on some of these scriptures. So this is Luke 6, 38. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. And so in this time, Thanksgiving, we're, we're getting that spot, that generous heart. And I believe that the Lord always wants to try and steward in us a heart of generosity. You can look at Jesus's life and he was so generous with everything that he had. You know, he's, he's blessing the 5,000s with, with food. He's doing all this stuff. He's healing and all that. And we to model after that, want to have a generous heart as well. So we're coming into this Thanksgiving season. For those of you that maybe haven't trusted God with your finances, do that. But I think also in this time, it's important to know that no matter where you're at financially, you, ha you have something to give. And maybe that's a smile to someone. Maybe it's a wave. Maybe you haven't texted mom and told, you, told her I love, I love you in a little while, all right? You always have something to give. So in this season, Give that encouragement to someone. Give that time or energy to someone because that shows that they are worth that. God showed you you're worth it from the cross, right? And it's our way to be able to steward that generosity that he gives us. And remember, as it says, that, that measurement of generosity will also be returned to you. So I just encourage you guys that we have more to give than we think because God has always placed more within us and more um, he wants to show us than we ever thought possible. So if you need a financial breakthrough at all, I'd love to be able to pray with you and pray over all of our tithes and offerings right now. So would you guys please pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much, God, for the things that you've already given us, for the financial blessings you've given us in the past. 
Jesus, thank you so much for all of the different people and, and relationships and meaningful things that are in our life because of you. Scripture says everything that is good and perfect comes from you. So thank you, God. We just give thanks to you. And Father, I pray that every single gift that's coming in today and, and all the different gifts this week, I just pray you bless those. And anybody in need of financial breakthrough that's listening to this or here in this room, God, I just pray your, your financial blessings over them. Unlock the, the key to what uh, you need to, God, Jesus, in their life. And, and Lord, I pray that whatever means necessary, if you're gonna make a car last longer or a, a rent payment that gets covered by uh, someone, Jesus, just thank you. Thank you for that in advance. Thank you for that blessing. And God, I pray that you can continue to move in our hearts and you can continue to show us things, God, that is only only from you and only for you, God. We love you. And this is a way to love you back is through the gift of giving Jesus. So we thank you so much in your heavenly name. Amen. All right, here's a few other things that are happening here at Fellowship Church. Good morning, Fellowship Church. We are so thankful you're here with us today. We can't wait to tell you what we have going on here at Fellowship Church. The first thing we wanted to let you know is starting this week is our angel tree. Now this is something that I know many of you look forward to every year. And just to let you guys know, this is our 10th year serving our community in this way. And that's such a testimony to the generosity of this church. So you can pick up your angel for the next couple weeks. They do go quick, so make sure you stop by, grab an angel. For those of you who are watching online, you can stop by during the week, Monday through Thursday, nine to four, and grab your angel. The angels are due back December 13th. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to serve our community. Something that we are so excited to offer is our Holy Spirit course. You can find this online on our website or on our Church Center app. There's an online courses tab that you can find this class. It's an amazing class where you can learn more about the Holy Spirit and who He is in our lives. You guys, 2020 has been a crazy year, but we still have a ton to be thankful for. And next Sunday, we're gonna have a special Thanksgiving service where we're gonna take communion and we're gonna thank God for the amazing things that he has continued to do in and through our lives. So please come invite some friends for our special Thanksgiving service next week. Coming up on December 10th at 6 p.m., we are offering training for our life group leaders. So whether you are leading a group or you're interested in leading a group, come check this out. There's gonna be a meal and childcare provided. And if you're just curious about what it would look like to lead a life group, come get some training, learn some more about what we have going on and what we have to offer for our life groups. So whether you're joining us online or you're here in person today, thank you for being with us. Today's service is going to be very special. I hope that you can catch what God has for you today. Well, good morning, church family. If you are here with me, say hey. We are so glad that you're here with us today. I want to welcome all of you that are joining with us online. The title of today's message is, Are You in a Losing Season? And can I just start off by telling you something about me? I hate to lose. I absolutely hate it. I am one of these competitive personality types where it doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to win. I want to win. I, I, I don't care if we're playing board games. I don't care if we're holding our breath the longest. Like, I don't even like to get passed on the interstate. I'm one of those type of people. You know what I'm saying? 
It's like, I, I don't want to lose. And in fact, uh, how many of you would just go ahead, come out and admit it, because the people around you already know anyways, how many of you are competitive like me, all right? Yeah. How, how about this? How many of you, you, you have someone in, in your family, maybe a friend or something like that, and you're sitting next to someone, you're like, they are like awkwardly competitive, yeah, right? Go ahead and just point at them right now. We already know who they are, yeah. Go ahead, call them out right now on the internet. Put their name in the chat. That, like, there's just overboard. It's like the type of people like me where like someone says, hey, let's play a board game, and they all look at you like, uh, I don't know, it's gonna be real awkward because he's in the room. That type of a person is like... I think that the truth is some of us are overly competitive. Some of us take it a little far, but none of us want to lose. We, we all want to win, right? We want to be successful. We want, we want to continue to, to move forward. And, and I say this because there are so many of us right now, so many of you listening to me right now, that you feel like you have just been in a losing season. You, you've just been taking losses, and I mean, we blame it right now on 2020. I mean, it's, it's easy because we can put it on the calendars. It's 2020. It's crazy. We've we got to have some sort of scapegoat. We've got to point at it. And, you know, and the, the truth is, you might be in a season right now where you're experiencing loss. Which can I point out for, for just a moment, I think this will be an encouragement for us moving forward, is that, that, that God works in seasons. He doesn't necessarily work in calendars. So um, uh, God is not on the Gregorian calendar where like, I think there's so many of us that are looking forward to, woo, 2021 is coming. Look, what's gonna happen when you wake up on January 1st and the regulations are still there? What's gonna happen when you wake up and, and, and there's still furloughs on the job? I mean, like we have to recognize that God moves through seasons in life, not necessarily our schedule or our calendar. But in this last season, I think for many of you, you would say you've taken some losses. Like there's been layoffs, right? Some of us have lost friends. Some of us have lost relationships. We've lost peace. Some of you have lost joy in this last season. I mean, there's people, I've been talking to my teenagers about this, the frustration of the opportunities that are getting lost where my teenage daughters are telling me, it's like, Dad, I'm not getting to experience the same thing that you and mom got to experience when you were in high school. It's like, I haven't got to go to a homecoming. I haven't got to go to a prom. I'm not getting to go to football games. It's like, there are things that have been lost in this last season. It's like, now I'm a homeschool parent again and I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like, like there's so much loss that's taking place and the truth is, we we can make light of it, but let's be honest. You've suffered some losses last year. You've gone through some losses. You've suffered some L's. And I want to go ahead and I want to dive into a teaching today that I think is important because when we talk about loss, I... I I want to go into the depth of what God wants to work on because you recognize that when God wants to work on you, he doesn't want to just buff you up on the outside and make you look shiny and clean. He wants to actually do work that, on the inside of your heart and change who you are and, and, and ad, help you adapt to what you're going through in life. He wants to change you. So when I talk about a losing season of life, this is not a conversation where we're just going to give some uh, Christian cliches and talk about some Dr. Seuss type platitudes like what it means is up to me what you do is up to you I mean like none of that is helpful right 
What you and I need right now is we need the word of God in us. And, and in fact, I want to talk to you today about a theological, scriptural principle of what do you do when you find yourself in a losing season. So I believe that this is something that can be an encouragement and should be an encouragement for everyone listening to the sound of my voice. Whether you're watching right now or you watch this at a later time, if you're in this room, God wants to speak to you individually. This is not for your friend. This is not for for, for for a neighbor, this is for you right now. Now, if God prompts you to send this on, then send it on, but he wants to speak to you as well. So I wanna pray right now if you join with me and, um, and let's just dive into this. But God, as we come before you right now, what we need is a touch from you. As we get into your word, we know your word will not return to you void, that you will, you will change us. It will go forward and do its work, and that's what we pray for right now. No one needs Dan's opinions. No one needs anything like that. What we need is your word, so help us to see Jesus. Help us to see what you want us to learn today, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Guys, I want to talk to you about a couple different areas in Scripture. I want to start off talking about an Old Testament story found in Genesis chapter 37 through 50 about a man by the name of Joseph. Now, uh, that's way too much reading for me to read through the whole story. I'm just going to kind of overcap it, uh, uh, overview it. You can, um, you can go back and study this later. I encourage you to. But Joseph was a man who, as a, as a young boy, uh, he was favored by his father. He is the one that you may have heard of before that his father gave him the coat of many colors, right? So this is a coat that says, like, I, I love this boy more than the rest of my sons. He's my favorite. And God gave Joseph a dream and a vision that, that, that his brothers would, would be underneath his authority someday, that he was going to be a ruler and he was going to rule over his brothers. So, so he was going to be in a leadership role. So he, he started off life where things were looking up, like I'm my dad's favorite, I'm going to be a ruler, God's telling me cool things about my life. And then through a series of events, his life took some really hard turns and he went through some losses. His brothers started to hate him. They devised a plan to kill him. They were going to throw him in a pit. They decided instead to sell him into slavery. And, and they took the coat and they went and lied to the father and said that, 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 that he had been killed. And he, so he sold into slavery. And then he's falsely accused as a slave in Potiphar's house where he, uh, he ends up then being thrown into prison. And when he's in prison, he uh, starts interpreting dreams. And, and people say that they're going to remember him and tell Pharaoh about him when they get out. But they forget to do so for a long period of time. So years go by and he's forgotten about in prison. And what happens is Joseph suffers loss after loss, after loss, after loss. He goes through a series of events, and, and I, I wouldn't call it like the book would call it a, a series of unfortunate events, but when we look at Joseph's life, the truth is that I think that you would see a whole bunch of events that he goes through that he would feel, from his perspective, were disconnected. That is just one thing after another, one loss after another. Like, uh, just as soon as I start to wrap my head around one problem that I'm dealing with, or maybe start to get a handle on one problem, now I'm dealing with another problem. And then as soon as I start dealing with that problem, now I deal with another one. They feel completely unrelated. They're, they're, all these events, I wonder, have you ever felt that way? It's like, 
Like I, I just now got my health thing under control and now, now I'm dealing with relational problems and now my relationships are good and now my kids are freaking out. Now my kids are good and my job is in jeopardy right now. It's like now all of this other stuff's good and now uh, the, the economy's doing what it's doing and, and the virus is doing what it's doing. And it's like, it's like, if it's not one thing, it's another. See, Joseph could have looked at the series of events in his life and felt like they were all completely disconnected and it was difficult and it was one loss after another, one loss after another. Yet, let me ask you a question. For a man who we read his story from Genesis 37 to 50, that is just one loss after another, how is it that the Bible then says, and the Lord was with Joseph? Genesis 39, it stated very clearly, the Lord was with him. Well, hold on a minute. That's confusing to me because I think what a lot of us do is we confuse um, our preferences with God's presence. Because for a lot of us, what we mean when we say I have God's presence in my life is what I mean is things are, are going my way. Like, we, we say things like, man, I'm blessed. Have you ever met one of those churchy people? Like, you ask them, how are you doing? They're like, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> Bless God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Underneath that fake smile, it's like they're dealing with the same struggles that you and I are dealing with. But what do we mean when we say we're blessed? For the most part, what most of us mean when we say I'm blessed or I'm experiencing God's presence, what we mean is we're saying things are going the way I want them to or they're going better. So we have this confusion, right? Because we think, Things have to go a certain way for us to be blessed, yet how does the Bible show a man who's going through a season of loss after loss after loss after loss? And it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. So if the Bible is saying the Lord is with Joseph, we need to understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how Joseph felt. That, that God was with him, but, but do you, don't you know that there were times where he's laying in prison going, why did God forsake me? Don't you know there were times when, when he was being sold into slavery by his brothers, he was betrayed and he was thinking, does, does God love me? Does my family even care about me? Does any, do, do I even matter that, that there were times in his life that the Bible said God was with him, but it didn't feel like it? And the truth for many of us in this room is we need to understand that you might be in a season right now where you're losing, where you're struggling, where it doesn't feel like his presence is with you. But the good news is God's word is true. And he tells us, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He will not abandon you. And you might feel alone, but you're not alone. You might feel like, like things aren't going the way you want them to, but his presence is still with you. He still loves you. He still cares for you. And we see in this scripture that it's such a powerful thing for us to understand that, that, that the Bible said in, in spite of all of these things that are going on, one failure after another, one disappointment after another, one loss after another, the Lord was with Joseph. See, we look at Joseph's life and, and we see that the Lord was with him, but though it didn't necessarily feel like it, that points out something that I think that we need to take pause on for a moment. 
that it is always a mistake to try to figure out what the season means while I'm still in it. It's always a mistake to try to figure out what the season means while you're still in it because the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, but do you know and do you recognize that was written after the fact? That was written at the end of Joseph's life. That, that was written at the end of the story when he was able to look back on it with some clarity and he could see that, that, yeah, it didn't feel like God was with me there, but he was. It didn't feel like he loved me, but he was giving me strength. It didn't feel like he was comforting me, but I only made it because of his presence with me. It didn't feel like he was there, but he was the one that made a way. And it is always a mistake to try to interpret the season that you're in while you're in the middle of it because many times we never get clarity of our season until after we're out of it. And you can be in a season of loss. You can be in a season of failures. Ta taking the L's one after another, struggling in your marriages, struggling in your finances, struggling in your job, struggling in your relationship, and I feel like, man, nothing is going my way. See, Paul had a perspective where he started to recognize, you know, I don't understand what the season is, but I understand something good's gonna come out of it. And, and we see that because Philippians 1.22, he says this, if I am going, going on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. <clears throat> Let me break that down. He's saying, if God's gonna keep me alive, if I'm gonna keep living in this body, that means that there's gonna be fruitful labor. That something good is gonna come out of that. Fruit is gonna come out of my life. Something, something good is gonna get. So I'm looking towards the future with expectation that God is going to do something great. I'm taking a loss right now. I'm struggling right now. Things aren't going the way I want right now, but something good is gonna come out of this. And Paul is saying, so I have to make the choice to see it that way, even though it doesn't feel that way. Brothers and sisters, that's the struggle we have. The struggle to be able to, in the middle of loss, in the middle of pain, in the middle of grieving, in the middle of things not going your way, to choose to say, you know what, I'm going to see the victory of God. I'm going to see what he's going to do in my life. I'm going to see something fruitful come out of this. But I wonder, how do you interpret the losing season of your life? How do you interpret it? When you look at your life and things aren't going the way that you want them to whether it have been your entire life or just a season, whether it's right now or maybe it was a couple years ago, how do, how do you interpret that season in your life? Because for a lot of us, what we do is we assume, went, well, this went wrong, so that must mean that God is punishing me. And the truth is we, we think that way, that since something went wrong, God must be punishing me. We think that way because the truth is you know some secrets about yourself. You know some things, you know some ways that you didn't necessarily live up to the things you should have lived up to, you didn't do things perfectly right, you, you made some mistakes, you have some, some faults, you have some failures, and a lot of times we'll take those faults and failures and we will, we'll, we'll think, you know what, therefore that must disqualify me from the grace and the mercy of God, so I don't really deserve it. So, so, so we think by a performance-based position of love, 
Somehow I've got to earn the love of God. I've got to earn his favor. I've got to earn it. And we miss the gospel. We miss the fact that you can't earn it, that you, you, you've never been good enough. You're not going to be good enough. That's why God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the price for your sins, because he says, I love you enough to where I choose you, and I'm going to pay the penalty for your mistakes because you are that good to me. And I want you in my life. I want you in heaven. I love you so much I can't imagine eternity without you. So our God says, I'm going to send my son Jesus and I, I'm, I'm going to pay for you. You, you are what I want. And, and see what that does is we get into places where it flies in the face of this performance-based religion of, well, I made mistakes. So I guess I deserve what I got coming. I deserve the the problems, I, I don't deserve anything good. And guys are like, no, 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 no. You're interpreting things wrong. See, we start to think maybe God is punishing me because we began to interpret the losing seasons of our life. And I wonder, how are you interpreting the losing seasons of your life? <clears throat> I'm gonna show you a couple scriptures, uh, starting at John chapter 15. These are Jesus's words that he wants all of us who are Christ followers to understand about the losing seasons of life. And I'm gonna do this a little bit backwards. I'm gonna start with verse two, John 15, verse two, and then we're gonna to go to verse one. But in John chapter 15, verse two, Jesus is speaking to us and he's trying to explain to us the losing seasons. He says this, and <clears throat> you may have heard this before. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So he's using an agricultural analogy here and he's talking about a vineyard and he's talking about cutting off dead branches and he's talking about pruning so, so that there can be growth, so that there can be more fruit. So let me read this again. Verse two says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Now let me ask you a question, and this is so important to our perspective in life. In that verse right there, it says he, he cuts off, he prunes. Who is he? Who is he? Because if you don't know the answer to that question, if you can't answer who is he, then, then, then we will misinterpret pain in our life. We will misinterpret seasons of losing things in our life. And, and in misinterpreting that, we will lose our opportunity to bear fruit. Because what, what do we tend to do is so many of us, uh, anytime we go through a difficulty, we love to give credit to the devil. It's like we go through a problem, we're like, oh, the devil's just attacking me. We go through a struggle, our car breaks down. Oh, the devil stole my gas, right? It's like... We, we love to blame the devil. But what did it say? It said he. So I love verse one because verse one gives us the context and tells us who he is so that we can under the, understand the motivation of the one who is performing the task. Verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Who is he? It's God. 
He's saying, you need to understand this. When you go through loss, when you go through struggle, if you're gonna be in me, this is a principle you need to understand. He's saying, I am the true vine. I am the one that you've gotta stay connected to. I'm the one that's in control. I'm the one who's gonna give you sap. I'm the one who's gonna give you life. I'm the one who's gonna give you strength. I am the one who's going to give you the ability to grow. And he's saying, and my father is the gardener. My father is the one who's doing all this work in your life. My father's the one we, that really cares. So we need to get our interpretation from our father. And man, we understand this. If you have little kids, they ask the father everything. Like all, all answers come from the dad. And my kids used to ask me the weirdest things all the time. It's like, look, dad, what is that? Is that a stick on the car? I'm like, no, that's an antenna. I'm like, what's an antenna? Well, well, it's a stick, right? It's like, it's like they ask questions I don't even have the answers to. Like, I, I don't even know, but, but, but a child will understand. If I really need to know what this means, I've got to get the definition from my father. And there's something that you and I can still learn about that in life, and we need to learn about it now, is when we go through different seasons, we need to understand there is only one who can give you the true understanding and the definition of why you are going through the season you are going through, and that is your Father, your Heavenly Father. So God is telling you, he's saying, ask me. Ask me about your loss. Ask me about this season. Ask me about your depression. Ask me about your pain. Ask me about your difficulty. Ask me about your addiction. Ask me about what you feel like is a losing season right now because he says, no one knows the answer, but I, I do. And you have a father. I'm here to tell you today that I don't know why you're going through the season that you're going through. And I don't know why you're going through the difficulty that you're going through. But what I do know is that I have a father and if you have a father, then, then you have a father who is doing what? He's working on you. He's working on you to produce fruit. That, that's why the pruning, why do you prune a plant? You prune it so it can bear more fruit. You cut things back, you get the, the junk out of the way, you get the stuff back. And, and all, if you've ever pruned a plant, it looks like the plant is dead by the time you're done with it because you've cut so much back but it gives it the strength and the ability to grow. So if you have a father, what does that mean? It means more, it means more fruit. So God is working on you. He's trying to get you to a place where you can handle more. So even if life is what's cutting on you, even if it's circumstances outside of you that's cutting on you, you need to understand as a child of God, it's God who's holding the scissors. And man, even though it might be a virus that wrecked your plan, it is God who is still in control and still sitting on the throne. And even though furloughs and stay-at-home orders and quarantines and becoming a homeschool parent have wrecked so much of what we have going on, God is still in control and he's letting certain things happen. Am I saying God is causing every bad thing to happen? No, but he will take anything that happens and use it for an opportunity to prune those who are in him so that you can bear more fruit. So what does it mean to go through these struggles? It means more. And I don't know who this is for, uh, but I believe that someone woke up and turned on your computer right now. Someone woke up and got dressed and came to church today because you need to hear this. The proof is in the pruning. 
You've been wondering if God loves you. You've been wondering if God's presence is with you. The proof is in the pruning. You've been wondering, does he care for me? The proof is in the pruning. You'd be like, how could I suffer this much loss? How could I have lost my kids? How could I have lost my marriage? How could I have lost my job? How could I have lost my sense of worth and my sense of identity? The proof that he loves you is in the pruning. Because he says, it's my father who cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And it's my father who prunes back and cleans up every branch that is bearing fruit. So if you are in a season right now where you feel like, I just don't know if I can take any more losses. I don't know why is this happening to me? It's happening to you because you have a father who loves you so much that there is another season coming. And in that next season, he wants to put so much fruit on you that you can't handle it where you're at right now. And and man, that's a difficult thing for us to swallow, but it's something we need to understand. Because so many of us, we're missing the opportunity to bear fruit in our life because what we're doing is going through difficulty, blaming it on the devil. You're going like, I can't believe I'm going through such an attack. And we get this victim mentality, oh, woe is me. And she did this to me and he did that to me and I lost my job. And we get that type of mentality instead of recognizing God is letting this happen so that I can have more. He's getting me ready for more. He's trying to bless me. He wants me to have more. He's getting me ready. In fact, if you believe that God is getting you ready, why why don't you just turn to the person next to you and tell him, he's getting me ready. Say, say he's getting me ready. He's getting me ready. Elbow that person next to you. That one acting like they're asleep right now. Tell him, he's getting me ready. He's getting me ready. He's getting me ready for more. He wants to bless me. He wants to use me. He wants to give me more, but here's the problem. The problem is you and I, We say things like this. We say, I'm hurting right now, so that must mean that God doesn't care. Or we say, my my kids are acting up, so that must mean I'm a bad parent. We say, I'm struggling in my marriage, so that must mean I'm a bad husband or a bad wife. You see how we do that? We, We say, that must mean That must mean, I feel this way, so that must mean, what are we doing? We're assigning our own interpretation of our season onto a season of life that we don't fully understand. We do it all the time in in simple ways. Like, man, I called him and he never called me back. That must mean he doesn't care about me. You know, maybe he had a headache. All right, we assign things. We assign meaning to things that we, we don't have the full understanding of. Like we, we interpret things. We interpret seasons, but, but we also interpret silence. Do you recognize that how you interpret silence is so important? My wife and I have completely different personalities. Um, <clears throat> many of you might think that I'm like outgoing and I, and I talk all the time because you see me on Sunday morning for 30 minutes. Let me tell you what, this is all the words I got for all week. <laughs> Like you get it right now, I dump it out on you and then like the rest of the week, I'm quiet. I'm super quiet. I live in a house with two teenage girls and a wife. I don't get a word in ever, like, like I'm quiet. And, 
my wife is the opposite. She's sanguine, she's outgoing, and she's an extrovert. She's, she's talking and stuff like that. Well, here's what's interesting about our personalities is we will take vacations or we will take days off where Amelie and I spend the day together. And when we get relaxed, it's like things start to flip around. And it's like, I will get, when I'm truly relaxed, I will get obnoxious. I will get loud. I will, I will be like an eight-year-old boy telling stupid jokes all day long. Like I'm bouncing off the walls and stuff like that. My wife, the extrovert, when she gets uh, relaxed, she gets quiet. So it's like, I've had date days with her and she's all quiet and I start to think, girl, what's wrong with you? Is this this date not good enough for you or something? Like, should I take you to some other restaurant? Like, what's your problem? What are you, are you you upset with me? Are you mad at me? Or like, what's going on? Is there a problem? She's like, there's going to be a problem. You keep asking me all these questions. Like, what's the problem here? And she's like, there's no problem when I get relaxed. I get quiet. See, I was misinterpreting silence because I was interpreting silence based off my understanding of myself. Right, because I've learned some things about silence over the years. I'm a parent. And when you have little kids, silence means something different. It's like, let me tell you, if you have little kids, I'm telling you little kids, um, Let me tell you what silence does not mean with little kids. It does not mean that they're off praying somewhere or they're off cleaning their room, okay? With little kids, again, little kids, silence means chaos. So I've learned to interpret that and go, she's quiet, there must be a problem. I wonder how do you interpret silence in your life? Is it based off your understanding of your own personality? Because what do you interpret when God is silent? It may be God's quiet right now and you start to think, does that mean chaos in my life? And I've, I've had to learn throughout my walk with God that just because he might not be saying much does not mean that he's not doing much. That we serve a God that, that, that we can't misinterpret the seasons. We can't misinterpret the fact that sometimes he's not talking to us because he's working for us. Sometimes he has already told you what he wants you to do and he is waiting on the other end of you to do what he told you to do. How are you interpreting silence in your life? See, we take everything and we put a meaning to it. We B-Y-O-M. We bring your own meaning. Bring your own meaning. You do that in every situation in life. Like, life doesn't just happen. Like, Life happens and then we assign a meaning to it. And a lot of times it's based off of where our mental space is for that day. Let me give you an example. If you're having a good day, you're in a good mental space, a bird might show up at your front door in the morning and think, oh, a bird, isn't that beautiful? Makes me think of Matthew 6. Remember the sparrows. If if God takes care of the sparrows and how much more important are we than that, then, then God must love me. God sent a bird to show me his love today. Isn't that amazing? But if you're in a bad mental space, same bird could show up at your door and you go, hmm, I heard in some cultures birds mean death. <laughs> I know that's ridiculous, I'm sorry. <laughs> but we assign meanings to things. We, we try to interpret things on our own. I mean, with the whole thing with COVID, like 
towards the end of March and all these regulations and stuff started happening, man, I was around a bunch of pastors, a bunch of people, and we were assigning meanings to what is this going to mean for the church? Oh my gosh, are we gonna have to close our doors? Are we gonna shut down? Are we, like, what's gonna happen? Is there people still gonna come to church? We're like freaking out about all this stuff. Well, this is what it means, this is what it means. We had no clue what it meant. Because I, I'm here to tell you some good news that since the end of March, when the COVID restrictions began, I just found out the numbers last week that online alone, not in this room, but online alone, we have connected over 50 more families to volunteer and ministry positions into our church family that were not connected before. And that doesn't include another 100 people who are going through that process right now. So we go, what does it mean? I don't know. Well, you know what God meant it for? He meant it for, I'm gonna reach people who we weren't gonna, you weren't gonna reach otherwise. We're gonna get out and we're gonna start reaching into other states and we're gonna start reaching into people's homes and we're gonna start getting a hold of people who wouldn't come to church on their own, but now they've got nothing better to do on their Sunday morning, so I'm gonna invade their life with my love and I'm gonna get a hold of them and I'm gonna touch them and I'm gonna bring them and connect them. So we assign meanings to everything. And it's so important that we start to recognize that, that how we assign those meanings, whatever we're looking for, we're gonna find. Because if, if you go out and you start looking for, well, there's gonna be loss and this COVID thing is gonna cause economic problems, it's gonna cause struggles and my marriage is gonna fall apart and, and, and she's gonna fight with me about this and my kids are gonna freak out about that. Whatever you look for, you will find. But here's the good news. That is not a negative principle because the good news is if you go in this season of loss, if I start to look for the God who is working the vineyard right now, if I start to look for my God and my Savior who's leading me right now, if I start to look for God who's building fruit in my life, I will find him and I will find him at work and I will see that he is actually getting me ready for the fruit that he wants me to carry. Aren't you happy about the fact that if you start looking for God, even in the worst seasons of life, you will find your God who loves you. If you are thankful for that, let's give him a shout of praise because he deserves the praise. He loves us. He loves us. God so many times tries to show us love through this pruning process, but we see it differently. It's like I, I heard one pastor, because we assign meaning to everything. I heard of one pastor who, um, on his Instagram, he uh, would always put up the I love you sign. This is the uh, sign language for I love you. And he, he's trying to speak to the crowd and speak to the audience and anyone who look at his feed that I love you. Now you should see the haters that got on his account and all the things that they said like, why are you putting up devil rock concert hands? Why are you putting the devil on your Instagram? And like all this, and here's the thing, it's like, because apparently if you, if you move the thumb, then it means like devil, it means like, like rock and like, like all sorts of stuff like that. It's like, he's like, I didn't mean any of that. What I meant was, what I was trying to show you was love, but you misinterpreted my love for something evil. It made me think, I wonder how often God is trying to show us love by cutting some things out of our lives 
by causing us to go through a season that's going to strengthen us for the fruit that he wants to bring. He's trying to show you love, but are you interpreting it as something else? To close, I want to jump back to Joseph because we now find Joseph 17 years after he had received a vision and been thrown into slavery and been thrown into prison. He found himself working right alongside Pharaoh. He found himself in a great high position and now his family came to him and his family were there in front of him and having to plead for help from him because they were going through a great famine. And this is what Joseph said, looking back on the losing season of his life. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So what you meant, your interpretation was evil. That's what you wanted from my life. And see, your critics and your enemies cannot determine the outcome of your life. And, and when he says, what you meant for evil all along, my God had a different interpretation. And my God used it for good. So how do you get to the point to be able to then show grace and love and mercy to a group of people who have betrayed you like, like Joseph experienced, you had to grow some fruit. And you don't grow fruit when you're comfortable. You don't grow fruit when everything's just fine and dandy and business is up and we're going on vacation and everything. No. First, there has to come a season of loss, a cutting, a pruning. And once you make it through that, if you trust our Heavenly Father that, that He knows what He's doing and you make it through that, someday you're gonna be like Joseph and you're gonna be able to say, He took what the enemy meant for evil and He turned it for good. I wanna ask every person to stand to your feet with us because we're gonna sing those lyrics here in just a moment as a declaration of our own lives. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for good. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. But I know that there are many of you in this room right now that you would just say, and I wanna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. You'd say, you've been in a, se a losing season, a struggle. It's been difficult. It's been one thing after another, and you've wondered, does God even care? If that's you, let's just be honest with our God. Let's put our hands up in the air right now. If you're at home right now, Close your eyes, take this moment, and just be honest with God and say, God, I don't know why I've been in this losing season, but I thank you that you're doing a work in me. And God, you see us right now, we're acknowledging, we're not trying to fake it, we're not trying to put a smile on our face, we are coming to you asking for help because we need help from the only one who can give it. So Heavenly Father, we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would help us. God, as you've been cutting things away from us and it's felt like we were losing, we've been scared, we've been, we've been walking the floor at night, we've been, we've been struggling, we've been angry, we've been depressed, there's been, there's been so many things we've been turning to instead of turning to you. And God, we recognize now that what Jesus was trying to tell us all along is these losing seasons, these cutting seasons have to happen so that you can bless us with what you wanna bless us with. So God, we pray that, 
that you would bring the good out of this for each and every person here who has been praying for peace, that you would give them the fruit of peace and they'd be able to handle it. You praying for joy, give them the fruit of joy, of kindness, of goodness, of gentleness, of faithfulness, of self-control. God, all of your fruits that you want to pour out onto us, give us the strength to be able to carry it. And thank you. It's hard to say because it hurts, but thank you for this losing season. Because God, we recognize you are the one that what the enemy meant for evil, you turned it for good. And God, we give you a praise for that right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Before we dismiss, we're gonna sing this song together and declare it over our lives right now. Go ahead, Julie.
Jesus' name, amen. Well, church family, we love you so much. Have a wonderful holiday week, and we will see you here next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click on the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.